Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tan, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is August 20th, 2023. And wouldn't you know it, we have one round left of the Pro Motocross Championship. We do have three playoff rounds that are coming up, and you must live under some sort of rock or heavy object if you don't know about the playoffs, because we have been beating you over the head with this these new SMX playoffs. And trust me, that is... Uh, yeah, that is deliberate, right? We're <clears throat> we're trying to spread the word about this, trying to get people informed because it's new. And if you are a casual fan or you just happen to tune in, you wouldn't know anything about this. And my bosses, whether it's Feld or MX Sports or NBC or Peacock or whatever, they all know that it takes a lot of exposure for people to understand something brand new, right? Like you hear it in passing, you're not really paying attention. But for that to set in, and to mean something, you need to keep hearing about it. You need to, and we need to keep explaining it and talk about how much money is up for grabs and how awesome it is. Because this is not going away. This whole dynamic is not going away anytime soon. Uh, I hope it's here for the long term. You know, I'm talking like decades. Because if you think about the amount of money that riders now have an opportunity to get and that how it changes the thought process for guys, like you're seeing more guys race outdoors that wouldn't otherwise. Uh, I, I really think these playoff rounds are going to be something special. Like they're going all out as far as Feld goes, like the the way they're building the tracks. And I think the presentation that you're going to see on television, um, it, it's going to be something special. I, I The effort is there. They're really working hard behind the scenes to make this everything that it deserves to be. And I'm going to do the best job that I can to present it well. My, you know, small role in all of this. Um, I want to make this look and feel every ounce of importance and prestige that I believe this sport deserves. So we have those three coming up. Charlotte, Chicago, LA, uh, which will be exciting. So stay tuned for those. But as for this weekend, plenty to talk about there. And that's what we will do. But before we do, I want to thank the sponsors, Pirelli Tires. They have a brand new set of Diablo Super Corsa SPV4. That's a lot of, that's a mouthful, but that's a street tire that's brand new. So check out Pirelli Tires. Guts Racing, the best graphics and seat cover company in the biz. Plum Creek Funding. Listen, rates are high. You don't want to refi right now, but you may need to buy something. Houses are being sold in Boise, I can tell you that. And you should talk to Plum Creek Funding about your options. Works Connection, they have that brand new chain gauge tool, really cool. You don't have to use, stick your fingers in nasty chain lube and on your swing arm to measure your uh, chain tightness anymore. They have a brand new chain gauge. 
Pro Glow Wash, Power Sports themed wash, specially formulated for Power Sports. International Vet MX Series. They have the last round. It's upcoming in uh, about three weeks is the last round in Lewiston, Idaho. TL Speed Shop, great bunch of guys down in Wickenburg, Arizona with their side-by-side packages. You can fly in, spend days with them. You can do a one-day trip. Uh, you can customize something. But a really, really nice um, high-end escape possible at TL Speed Shop. Grandstone boots. I'll be wearing my Grandstones here in a little while. I'm going to go to dinner tonight with my Grandstones on. And then, of course, fly racing. And let's jump into it. I know you guys probably just roll your eyes when I talk about the sponsors, but it's it's important. That's you know, they're a part of this because we want to reach customers that are into power sports, into motocross, like-minded people, right? I always talk about that. But Hunter Lawrence got the job done. And I always like to think about these championship situations as if you're Hunter or if you're Jorge Prado in MXGP, or you could say the same for Andrea Adamo in MX2. And I don't know how closely you guys follow that. Maybe you don't at all. That's okay. But the situation is the same. And what that is, is when you have a big points lead, time is on your side, right? As the points leader with a big cushion, all you're trying to do is get through weekends so the end is near, cliche, the end is more near than it was and nothing really changed, right? The impetus for change and the urgency is on the, the person that's second or third or whoever fancies themselves as winning this title. So for this particular situation, it's Justin Cooper. It was Hayden Deegan, but he's kind of out of it now. I think just points-wise, he's too far down. But if you're Hunter, you just want to leave Bud's Creek with the same situation that you entered Bud's Creek. Now, if you can better that, if you can improve upon that, great. All the better, right? But you don't need to. The... All of that urgency, as I mentioned, is on Justin Cooper to, to do something, right? You need some sort of wild turnaround in the momentum and the points and all those things. And Hunter got it done, right? He wins the second moto. He gets second in the first moto, wins the second moto, gets the overall win, ties Justin Cooper in points. And that's exactly how you would draw it up. Now, would Hunter love to go 1-1? Of course. But who cares? It does not really matter. He just needed to get the same amount or better points in the second moto. And and you'd say, does that even matter? Like who cares if he had gone one, two versus two, one? Well, it does because it's a lot more money, right? To win the overall is probably, I don't know. I haven't seen his contract, you know, because Alpine stars and all these other people are involved, but let's say it's 30, 40, 50 grand more. Okay. All in. I, I think that's fair. It's, there's no way it's less than 30. And I would say it's not more than like 60 or 70 more. Um, so it's a big difference between going 1-2 versus 2-1 on the day. A big picture, yes, his eyes are on the prize, which is winning that motocross championship. It's probably half a million dollars for that. Just from Honda, you figure all in, it's probably 600-ish, maybe 700. That's fair. Probably 700 grand, I'm going to say. It could be less, right? Every contract's different. Um, so you're really guesstimating without seeing the stuff, but it's a lot of money. And that's what he's focused on. But sure, if you can pick up an extra 50 grand along the way on Saturday, by all means, let's do it. And he doesn't really, you know, he's not talking about that. He's not making a big, but it, it is a thing. Of course it is. Why would it, it, it is for everybody. Uh, so yes, he did exactly what the doctor ordered. 
gets a win, keeps the points the same. We roll into the final round with a 22-point lead. And, yeah, it's just, as he said on the podium, one step closer and one more round to go, right? And that's all he's focused on is just get through each moto without disaster striking, and it's all going to happen. Now, for Justin Cooper, he is getting better. Like, if you were... If you weren't thinking about the points, you'd be like, man, we're really on to something. Like, pace is better, intensity is better. He looks, to me, more competitive. Uh, the things that I was complaining about, like at Washougal, where he wasn't able to capitalize, it feels like he can now. Like, he just has a little bit more fight in him. You know, he makes contact with Hunter in the first moto, goes and gets the win. Um, those are the things that I was, I was shouting from the rooftops at Washougal that he needed to do. And I'm sure he knew that, right? But doing is a lot harder than saying. And I, trust me, I could never do it, right? I, I am not casting judgment. I'm just diagnosing if he wanted to win this title, what that was going to require. And I've, I've watched racing my whole life, right? That is why I've been given some of the opportunities that I have. And that's why I do this podcast and the race, you know, the race review one we're going to do here in a few hours is because I've been around this for so long and I, I did it at a mediumly high level. I don't know. However you want to judge my own racing career. I was out there for a really long time and I understand the dynamics of this and I've seen it done by the best to ever do it. And I get to talk with them regularly. Thankfully, I'm very, very uh, thankful for all the things I'm, I'm appreciative of the opportunities I have. But I know that I do have insight with this stuff and I can sense moments that are really important in a series. And I felt like Washougal was one. Justin Cooper had an opportunity to go 1-1 that day. It was right in front of him and he couldn't do it. And it would have changed the points. It would have given him a ton of momentum going into the break. Coming into Unadilla, things would have felt different than they did. And that's where I, I really feel like it took a turn for the worse and he lost it. You could say high point. I understand he didn't race, but then like, you know, Hunter had the red bud DNF and then the mechanical at Southwick. So there's always going to be ifs and what's, you know, um, ifs and buts is what I was trying to say. But I, I think when all is equal and you're actually racing and it's things are going to get settled on the racetrack, that's when you have to step up. Like you have to take advantage when it's time and everybody's, going for it. And you have to, I think in championships, there are going to be motos where you have to prove you're the best guy. I just think that's how these things go down. And anybody who has been any sort of championship, it doesn't have to be at the highest level. I, I certainly wasn't, but I've been in championship fights of my own. And there are moments when you have to prove that you are the deserving champion. You have to be that best guy and, and get it done. And I had my own, right? I remember the 09 uh, Supercross, German Supercross Championship. And pretty much nobody listening has ever been to these races in Germany, but they're really competitive. You're racing guys from Germany, France, USA, Spain, all over Europe, the UK, Australia. Um, it's like a little mini world Supercross Championship. Now, of course, I, I get it. You know, a lot of the GP guys aren't there, but some of them are. And it's not easy. And you have to really, you have to be your best, right? It's not a joke, right? I know that it seems like it's a really small series, but it's not a joke. Trust me. There are lots of guys that go over there and don't even qualify. You just don't hear about it. Lots of Americans go show up and do terribly because it's hard. And I remember very vividly at Munich and the 
final round in, in a city called Dortmund, I had to either put up or shut up. And I was either going to win it or I wasn't. And thankfully, I was able to do it. I think I got second both weekends. No, I, huh, did I win one of them? I don't know. I think I got second both weekends. And that was plenty. I didn't have to dominate because the way those races are, there's usually two, two nights, sometimes three nights per weekend. So you get a lot of racing and a lot of points. If you can consistently rack up points throughout a weekend, you just skyrocket up through the rankings or you extend your points lead because there's so much variance. You're talking about 12 guys in a main event, really short races, lots of chaos. Think like arena cross, right? So if you are good enough and consistent enough and you just stay around the podium the whole time, you're going to be at the top, right? That's just how these things go. I, I raced that series like 12 times or something like the full series. So I know the dynamic really well. And I knew like, this is the time. I remember going to, into Munich and being like, this is it. You've got two rounds left, two weekends left. You either do it or you don't. There is going to be like, you can't expect people to hand anything to you. You either perform and you go out and win the damn thing with results or someone else is going to. And that's where I felt like Justin Cooper, to bring it back full circle, I, that's where I felt like Justin Cooper needed to step up and he wasn't able to. And now... He's at this huge deficit of 22 points, right? And I think he was at like 13 um, not very long ago, right? It's, I think going into Washougal, he was 13. I, if I'm wrong on that, my apologies, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. So you think about what it looks like if he goes 1-1 at Washougal. Think about what the points look like going into a two-week break if he goes 1-1. And it was there, right? He was winning. It wasn't like he would have had to pull off some sort of miracle. It was there for the taking for him, and he wasn't able to execute. So I like Justin Cooper. He's really nice to me. I, I love the effort, Motocross Nations. I'll never forget how well he rode there. I'm, this has nothing to do with any of that. I'm just saying when you review a championship and you try to figure out why someone lost or some, why someone won, there are specific moments that you're going to point to both positively and negatively. And I think Washugo was it. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox talking about Justin Cooper. But, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like Hunter's been the best guy and Justin's been second or third best guy, right? Like, so that's just – that's how it's going to end up. Uh, Hayden Deegan, I mean, he obviously got robbed in that first moto. We all know it. Um, the rules are the rules as far as how the restarts go. I don't have any control over that. People are losing their effing minds. Pardon my language, even though I didn't curse. Um, online and, and social media and whatever – and that's just because Hayden Deegan's such, he's such a polarizing figure, but nobody's out to get Hayden Deegan. Like it's just the rules. And yes, he would have won the moto. No question. And in the second, but you have to, you have to go reprove it. Just like Ricky said, like, so what? Prove it again. You know, like Ricky has the credentials to say whatever he wants to anyone he wants. And he, that's exactly his take was like, Hey, this is another opportunity to go prove you're the best guy. Go prove it. You just, you were proving it. You were halfway. Go prove it again because it's not going to get easier. It's not like you're going to prove it five times and then everybody's just like, nah, he doesn't have anything to prove anymore. Like every time you line up, you're going to have to go prove it from here on out. That's just, that is the, that's what's required if you want to win championships and be the best guy. And Ricky knows that better than anyone. Every time you line up, you're going to be judged because the expectation is so damn high. So I'm sure he's bummed. I'm sure everybody was bummed. I was standing next to his dad when they red flagged it. You could see 
how bummed he was, but it's not going to get easier. So you just know that going in every time the gate drops, if you want to win races and championships, you got to go win that race. And I'm sure they know that too. I think he tried a little bit too hard on the start, the restart. He pressed the issue. He didn't necessarily have the whole shot and, and he kind of didn't let off, right? Like you have to be mindful when, you know, sometimes caution is the better part of valor, right? And it, and it wasn't like he was going to get a really bad start. He would have been like third or fourth and he tried to press it and then he hit Tom Vial and he went down and, and Vial almost went down. But sometimes you just have to be like, okay, I'm not going to get the start, but I'll be fourth and then I'll ma- I just got to make quick moves, right? Or I'll settle in and, and we, you know, I have 15 minutes plus two laps to figure this thing out. But I think it was just a little bit of youth, right? Youthful exuberance, you know, getting the best of him in that first turn, but he'll learn from it. He, he's learning every single time he goes out there. And if you can't see him learning, you're not paying attention because it's happening right in front of our eyes. Uh, Joe Shimoda, not bad, right? Like he's finding himself onto the podium. It's not the, the run he went on in 2022 where he's winning more times than not. But I think podiums are good enough. Uh, he's going to, you know, move to a Honda HRC next year. I know that's not official and I probably shouldn't even talk about it, but it's going to happen. Everybody knows in the, in the paddock that Shimoda is going to Honda. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he kind of makes that transition, moves over there, tries to fill the, the shoes of Jet and Hunter, and uh, he'll be alongside uh, Chance Hymas for 2024 in red. And the last note I have on the, on the 250 guys uh, was Austin Forkner. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Um, I like his attitude. He doesn't seem to have any ego at all right now. Um, he understands that he's just trying to get back to some sort of semblance of what he was. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Take qualifying sessions when they're good. You know, take the good motos when they're there. And eventually, when you're as good as he is and as talented as you're going to find yourself on the podium again. Like that's, that is going to happen if he continues down the path he's on. And he knows that deep down and I know it. Uh, so yeah, you just have to focus on staying out of trouble, staying off the ground, staying healthy, right? All those things are a lot of, there's a lot of luck involved in all those. But if you can do that, with the talent you have and the equipment you have, you're going to find yourself near the front. And we're seeing that happen. We're seeing him progressively move forward. And don't be shocked. We show up at these SMX rounds and he's on the, he's in the mix to win or podium. He is an incredibly good supercross rider. I think he's uh, maybe Hunter. I don't think Hunter passed him, but I think he's the winningest active 250 supercross rider. So just think about that, right? No one has won more supercross rounds that races a 250 than he has. Um, and I had to verify that, but I think that's true. If it's not, it's very, very close. Um, so yeah, I, I just like to see him bouncing back and, and getting better here. Thanks again to the sponsors, Pirelli, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, International Vet MX Series. You can go to oldtimersmx.com for more information on that. Pro Glow Wash, TL Speed Shop. Their website is tlspeedshop.com. You can check out a bunch more information there. Grant Stone Boots, I believe they're Website is grantstoneshoes.com to check out all the, they have so many options over there. And then flyracing.com, we have a brand new website, super interactive uh, to check out there as well. And as for you that are longtime listeners, know we do the power rankings. And there's a couple weeks I didn't do it, right? But they're back this week. And at number 10, kicking things off, is Grant Harlan. And I know Hardog, as he's affectionately known as, has been on the power rankings a few times, but not consistently. And I just feel like he deserves 
to be there. He is 12th, I think, still in SMX playoff points. And that is really impressive. Like his body of work throughout Supercross, he missed a few pro motocross rounds because of World Supercross. And then you look at his pro motocross results, they've been, to me, much, much better than I would ever have given him credit for. And I can remember Anaheim 1 watching the main event going, holy crap, Harlan is doing really well. Like he made, I was watching him make the main. I'm like, damn, he's going to make the main. And then in the main event, he was killing it. I'm like, holy, like, so he was sending a message at the opening round that I'm still kind of receiving and absorbing. Like he has just been so damn good all summer long. He deserves a lot more credit than he's probably getting and, and certainly by me. So congratulations, Harlan, Grant Harlan on uh, making the power rankings. I know that's a huge deal. And I, right, I'm kidding, obviously. But I hope he gets a huge payday in these SMX playoffs. That would, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. He just needs to perform because remember in these playoffs, the first round is normal points. The second round is double points. And the third round is triple points. So it's going to get wild, right? Like the, if consistency is one thing, but if you just perform at round two and round three, consistency be damned. Like you could pass all sorts of people in front of you. Um, and, and you could, like have a if you had some sort of wild like your best ride of your life in LA Coliseum, you could make so much damn money just off one night. So that's going to be something we're going to keep an eye on. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about that. But for a guy like Harlan, that's all I'd be thinking about is like Chicago and LA, everything you've got, just throw the kitchen sink at it, and you can make life changing money just in you know two two nights of racing. Number nine, Garrett Marchbanks. And Marchbanks has been really, really solid. He hasn't been getting enough credit. I don't think like we're trying to talk about him, but there's so much, there's so many other stories to talk about. He's not getting as much play as I think he should. Um, but if you watch him, like he's battling with the guys like, like Anderson and Plessinger. I don't even know if you say a Plessinger or Plessinger. Actually, I'm going to ask him. Um, but he, he's been solid, man. He, he really has turned a corner in his career. A lot of people have been waiting on Garrett Marchbanks to be this guy. You know, he came out of amateurs, went straight to Monster Pro Circuit Kawasaki. He was an amateur phenom, like make no mistake about that. And I think he's just kind of now finding himself on the 450. And I don't know what the problem was, you know, if it was injuries or the 250. He was, he's a bigger guy, so maybe that was part of it. But there was just so – you saw speed. I always saw speed when I watched him ride but he wasn't, wasn't able to consistently put the results together. And I thought Daytona 2020 was going to be this breakout moment, and it just it didn't come to fruition, right? There wasn't any follow-through on that. And you could blame COVID or whatever. That's fair. I get it. Like, he won this race, and then we didn't race again for almost two months or whatever the, the time frame was, maybe longer than two months. So that's fair. If you wanted to say COVID disrupted his pathway, okay. That's fine. I could buy into that. But whatever the case is, he really seems to be kind of putting it all together now. And I think the 450 was really the answer for whatever reason. Time Masterpool, he rode really well at Bud's Creek, but he's not going to jump off the page and, and be on TV the whole time unless he gets the start to go along with it. Because he was battling, man. He was going at it with Cincerillo and a bunch of these guys. But unless you start, you know, first, second, third, fourth, and you're in the mix with them because let's face it, he kind of works backwards, right? Like those guys are a little better than him. We all know it, but
but he can hold them off. We've seen heroic efforts from him as far as holding off the likes of Ferrandis or Cincerillo or whoever. But he, I think he kind of needs to start in front of them for that to happen. I don't see him going from ninth to third in this field right now. Like, I think that's asking too much of most guys, let alone Ty Masterpool on a privateer bike. Uh, but I, he's been great all season, all summer long. He has been fantastic. And he's really been the privateer story of this summer, period. I don't think you can argue that. Adam Cincerillo finds himself at number seven. And man, he looked like he was ready for a breakout ride in that first moto. He's winning. It looks strong. He looked like he had the speed, like that that kind of copyright. What's the, what's the right word? Uh, trademark Adam Cincerillo pace where he can go as fast as anybody at any time was there. And then it looked like his arms just got the best of him. That, I, I'm sure that's what it was. Um, he's been battling this arm thing for two years now where he kind of loses grip strength. His arms go numb because of nerve damage and he's not able to hold on. And you can't, you can ride apparently like, you know, going off of what he says, but you can't go flat out like on the edge because you don't have the strength to do so. And that's certainly what it looked like again for, uh, for AC. And I think the biggest thing for him is he just needs to work on, he just needs to try to stay positive, you know, keep a good attitude, understand what you're up against and, try to find a silver lining. Like the pace was really good. That's something you could latch onto and say, okay, I'm still having these issues, but man, my pace was there this weekend. And, and we haven't been able to say that at every weekend. So that would be what I would be leaning on. It's just like, man, you were really, really fast. So let's continue working on therapy. Let's continue trying to fix our problems. But there was a bright spot, which was the speed, right? He got the whole shot and then it was leading laps, which he hasn't been doing very often. So that's a, uh, that's a really nice step forward for him at number six is Justin Barsha and Barsha finds himself back. I, d- I did not do a Unadilla recap podcast. So my apologies there, but he would have likely been inside the top 10, even though his results sucked because I think he's on his way back in. Um, this weekend was a quick move back to where he should be. And I was really, really impressed. Um, Unadilla was a train wreck for him. He knows it. I sat next to him on the flight, uh, his flight home, my flight back. We're going to Atlanta, right? Leaving Syracuse on Sunday. And he didn't even have much to say about it. Just like, yeah, that sucked. He crashed on the start of the first one and and really kind of never gave himself a chance of success. But he coming in, he knew that he wasn't ready. He he hadn't been riding much. Um, He hadn't really been able to do any sort of upper body strength workout stuff with his collarbone. And uh, he knew it was going to be a struggle, but he knew he needed to get seat time and race his way back into shape. So this this race was a huge step in the right direction, right? He battled AP in that second moto for everything he was worth. He already has the pace again. Like, he has the speed to battle. So I give him a ton of credit. I think it's a real testament to his work ethic off the motorcycle because to come in and not really do a bunch of motos during the week and then be able to go right just jump right in with those guys and go the pace and battle late and give ap all he wants late in the moto like that says so much about your discipline the effort you put in our on your bicycle to try to narrow that gap down because he has muscle memory of a decade plus now of racing at this level so his body knows what it takes right and anytime you go through an injury or you start training for something and, you, and you've been at a peak 
you've been in peak physical shape, well, your body understands what it takes to get back there. So it's going to respond more quickly than someone who's never achieved that level of fitness, right? So he's going to naturally get back up to speed and back into shape faster than the average person. But this was really, really fast. And it just shows, like I said, his dedication to cut that gap down because he did all the right things. He was by his own admission, a, you know, just a madman on his bicycle to stay in shape and do all the things you can do. There are certain things you can't, can't ride, probably couldn't lift weights, probably couldn't do like the rower. But if you, if you just go crazy on the things that you can do, guess what? Your body is going to be that much more prepared and you're going to be that much more capable when you are able to get back to action. That's exactly what we saw. That's why we saw what we saw from Justin Barsha on the weekend. So congrats to him. Uh, very, very impressive. Aaron Plessinger is at number five and he gets a second overall, unlikely second, the way the results panned out. But hey, that's racing, right? Sexton's first moto wasn't good and it opened the door to erratic results and AP made the most of that. And if you are not cheering for AP yet, get on board. The guy is so awesome. He has so much personality. He's such a nice guy. And yeah, I just think he adds a lot to the sport. He adds a lot of character to a sport that can get a little bland worth on the personality side. So uh, great job to AP. And uh, we go into Ironman, which is his home race. And I'm sure he's going to be wanting to get on the podium again, because those people will be going absolutely batshit crazy. Pardon my language again, but he got on the podium there last year and it was out of hand. I wish that people could see exactly the scene down there because it was nuts. It was so awesome to see those people and he, him too. Like he is just as excited or more excited than they are, which they're the fans and he are feeding off each other's energy. And it, it's really fun to be a part of. Uh, number four is Jason Anderson. And I thought Jason Anderson was going to end up on the podium Saturday afternoon. I really did. He was so impressive in that first moto. And then the second moto, I don't know if he ran out of intensity or, you know, sometimes guys put so much into the first moto that they have a really hard time recovering and finding that again. I know I've had that happen to me before, but you look at that first moto, what he was able to do, you just sometimes burn your burn the intensity up a little bit. You, you have a hard time getting back to that level in a really short amount of time. And I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying that's what could have happened because it wasn't a bad moto. I think he still got fourth in that second moto. It just wasn't the same charge that he had in the first one. He, he wasn't able to move through the pack and get forward to, uh, what did he get? Maybe he got fifth in the second moto, but he was just behind uh, Barsha and uh, AP. So um, had that been the first moto, the same type of ride, as the first moto, you would have seen him get to third, and that would have been good enough for uh, for second overall. So not a bad day by any means, um, but I just I think he was struggling with something. It could have been the bike. It could have been him. Um, without talking to him, I'm not really sure what, but there was just something missing in the second moto that he certainly had in the first one. Number three, should be no surprise, is Dylan Ferrandis. And I took Roxon out of here. So if anybody's wondering, Roxon is now out of this ranking because he decided to not come back for any more pro motocross rounds. He'll be back for the playoffs. Don't, don't worry. But uh, yeah, he's out for now. So Ferrandis is at three and he just didn't have that same fire as Unadilla. And we, we were told during the weekend that he was under the weather feeling sick. And that's what it looked like. Um, I didn't see him riding poorly, 
but he didn't have that same intensity, that, that sense of urgency in his riding that he had at Unadilla. And it's hard when you're sick. It's hard to get, you know, your body's just not as responsive. Um, you can't get like up, right? And I'm using like air quotes around up. You can't, you don't get that adrenaline surge. You don't feel as like, um, I don't know, you don't like antsy before the moto and ready to just explode with energy on the racetrack. You're just kind of like mopey and yeah, your body's fighting something, right? So you don't have the same level of energy. It's just not a great way to, to race. It's not very much fun. Um, and you can kind of see that in the way Dylan approached the weekend. Wasn't awful. Um, but yeah, hearing that he was sick is certainly what it looked like. So that, that made sense. Number two, Chase Sexton. And man, this guy's fighting so damn hard. Um, it would be really easy if like, if you're not a Sexton fan, like it would be easy to take cheap shots at him because he keeps crashing and he keeps messing up right when he needs to make, you know, make good on the opportunity at hand. I'm not that guy. I am a Chase Sexton fan. I like the fact that he just keeps coming. Like he gets knocked down and he just, I'm coming back for more. Like, I don't care. Whatever. I'm just going to keep getting up, right? And he crashed in that second moto. It would have been so easy for him to just bring it on home. He had a big gap to third. Jet was seven or eight seconds in front of him. Yeah, just just bring it home in second. Like, it's fine. You crashed again. Damn it. Like, it, it would be really easy to get down on yourself there. But no, that is not what he did. He absolutely sent it and caught back up to Jet and gave Jet all he wanted on that last lap. And yes, lappers are in the way, whatever, right? Like Jet made mistakes. I don't, it doesn't matter, right? To be able to close down that gap on Jet at the end to make it interesting says all you need to know. I don't need to know, or I don't care about why it happened or the things, you know, the adversity that Jet ran into the last few laps. That's not the point. It, it, I understand that it's a valid reason. It's just not what I'm, what I care about as far as what Chase showed me. Because if Chase doesn't keep charging, if he doesn't keep putting in his best possible laps, keeping his intensity right on the, on the edge, it, it's not going to close that down because they're just going to measure each other. Jet will keep the status quo, will pick it up when he needs to. Chase will just be putting the laps in, bringing it home. And that's how it'll finish. Seven or eight seconds. It happens all the time. It is such a common theme in moto. Once a gap is established, Everybody just kind of stays there because the guy in second doesn't think he can cut the gap down. So he's measuring his effort. He doesn't want to crash. He's trying as hard as he can, but it's, it's within reason. And the guy in front is just watching, right? If the guy in second starts closing, he'll pick it up. And then if the gap stays the same, he'll, he'll back it down a little bit. And they're all just managing risk is all that's happening because the more risk you take, the more the odds of crashing go up, right? And that's what riders are doing all the time is they're, balancing the risk reward of how fast can I go versus how likely it is I'm going to crash, right? And it doesn't have to be some huge get off. It's just losing the front end, tipping over, right? You're pushing the front end traction a lot. That's like something that's probably underreported is how often riders are on the edge of traction with the front tire, because that's how you go faster for lots of guys. Like that's what's holding you back from going faster is traction. It always is especially on any sort of hard pack track is you're going to go as fast as traction will, will allow you to go. And that's different talent levels and your balance and bike setup and all those things create more traction. Uh, but that's what it always comes down to. So those riders that are slowing down or going faster are upping the risk ante on a traction level. 
And I, it just spoke to what Chase is all about as a person to me. Long story short, he showed me who he is, what he's about. He's not settling. He doesn't care. He's just going to keep coming. And, and I really like that. It makes me a fan of him. Number one, this is obvious, is Jet Lawrence. And, you know, Ken Roxon put out some tweets yesterday that I should address talking about, and, and of course it's, I'm sure I'm included in what he's saying because I, I have been talking about how fantastic Jed is. I'm sure he was talking about Ricky and Weech too, like all of us collectively, and maybe Will. I don't know. But I stand behind it. I, what do you want us to say? He's in his rookie season on a 450. He's gone 20-0. and 0. He's won however he needs to. He gets hole shots. He passes through the field. He withstands challenges. He crashed against Ken Roxon at Mount Morris and still repassed him and won. So, you know what? It's fine. Ken Roxon can say whatever he wants. Like, he has the credentials to say anything he would like to. Totally fine. I'm not mad at Kenny. I don't care. He, welcome to his own opinion. But I'm not going to back away from giving Jet all the accolades he deserves either. Like, what do you want us to say? Do you want us to say that it's not that impressive what he's doing? Because that's not fair or accurate, in my opinion. So in that light, damned if you do, damned if you don't. And if, I, if those are my two choices, to be you know, damned either way, I'm going to decide on the, the narrative that he's incredibly impressive. And this is, this is a kid. You know, he is not a seasoned adult. He's not 25 years old yet. He's not 28 where he's gone through all these situations and championships and all these things on a 450 against the best guys. He has not. These are new dynamics for him. And all you have to do is talk to him for five minutes to understand he's just, he's still just a kid and he is wildly crafty and uh, mature on the motorcycle, but not off. It just, you know, it shows you. It shows me when I talk to him that he's got a lot of growing up to do. And when he does, God help everybody else. So I don't know. Like This, this podcast is not about Ken Roxon. And Kenny is certainly welcome to whatever opinion he wants. You know, he, he a lot of people are going at him. And then he kind of fired back like, I'm not jealous. I'm not this, that. Like, well, then why even say it? And that's what I, I kind of, I'll get off this in a second. But I could not, for the life of me, find any upside of that tweet, right? Like, if you're Kenny and you got it typed out and you're about to hit send, somebody, and, and you can tweet me, you can email me, whatever, because I can't think of any, po any possible upside that's going to come or any good result, right? It, any tweet, you're hoping that somebody gets some insight from you or they see your point or, like, any outcome of that seems like negative to the people that don't like you you're gonna it's gonna seem like sour grapes to the people that are huge jet lawrence fans that are neutral on kenny they're gonna be like hey why are you attacking jet like he's killing it he deserves all of this right and then i think if you're a kenny fan like maybe you just nod and you're like, yeah man that's awesome right like is there i guess if that's what you're going for someone some sort of confirmation of it, then okay. I mean, I guess I can buy that. Great. But what did that really gain you big picture? Um, so I just, I don't know. Sometimes you just have to like, let it go, man. Because if you think about like Kenny in his best years, like think about like spring Creek, I think it was 2016 where he just blitzes through the field, goes from like eighth to first on the first lap 
I promise you, I wasn't on TV, but I was just, I could not believe what I was watching. I would have, I guarantee you, I gave Kenny every possible, you know, superlative, whatever that he could get. Like he deserved all of it. And I hope he got all of it. He was fantastic. But this is just what happens when you're the best guy. You get all, you get all these things said about you. When you're 20 and 0 in your first season on a 450, you're going to get lots of great things said about you. That's, that's going to happen, man. I don't, I don't know what, to, what else to say about it. Um, yeah. So I, Kenny certainly doesn't listen to this podcast, but maybe someone says something to, and I, I don't, you know, he's welcome to say whatever he likes. It is his Twitter. It is his opinion and he's a champion and he has the right to weigh in. But I would just ask him in light of that, what do you want us to say? Like, what do you want us to say? Because we'd say the same things about you and probably have. It doesn't matter if it's you or Ricky Carmichael or when it was James Stewart or whoever it was. Eli Tomac, when you were the best guy and you're dominating everybody and you are putting in rides like that, you're going to get all of the credit that we can possibly throw at you. And this is absolutely no different. So, yep, that's, that is what that is. But as to, as for Jet, um, yeah, he's the future. He is the future of this sport. And that doesn't mean that Chase Sexton can't be right there in the midst of it too. But I'm looking at in the next couple of years, you know, Tomac's got a two, I think it's a two year supercross contract. That's what I'm hearing. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong, but I think Cooper Webb has a two year deal. Jason Anderson just resigned. So I'm looking at a couple of more years for the, for a lot of these guys. And then I think they're done. Justin Barsha, he resigned this year. I think at the end of that, a lot of those guys go away. They retire. They're older. They just signed these contracts. And I think that will be the end of an era for a lot of those guys. What happens on the backside of that? I think that Jet Lawrence and Chase Sexton absolutely dominate. And maybe it's just Jet or maybe it's just Chase. I don't know. But they are going to be for the next decade, especially eight out of the next 10 years, the guys. They're going to be the guys that get all of the positive comments. They get all the wins, all the record books, all the bonus checks, all the championships and titles. They are coming to those guys. I don't see anybody. I don't think Hunter's as good as Jet. I I don't think he's as good as Chase, to be quite honest. Maybe he proves me wrong, but I think he's going to, Hunter's going to be great. But he's going to be in the fight with Anderson and a lot of these guys too. That's how I see it. I think Chase and Jet will be better than the rest long term. I don't see anybody else coming in the 250 class. Hayden Deegan, it's going to be a few years, right? Maybe five years from now, Hayden Deegan has something to say about it. I don't think Justin Cooper has anything to say about that conversation at all. He's not as good as those guys, period. Like I, I, I would tell Justin the same thing. Like If you look at Supercross, those guys are significantly better than he is. And that's okay. Like that's, that's just reality. Like people shouldn't get offended by understanding that, you know, Justin Cooper's not as good as Jet Lawrence. I I think everybody has to admit that and understand that. So I'm not trying to take a shot at Justin Cooper in any way. I'm just trying to be, trying to be real about it and transparent. So for Jet, buckle up, man. If you're Ken Roxon, do something about it. Right, because I think Kenny's on his way out too. Kenny will race another year or two, and then he'll step away. Um, that's a natural progression of things. It's how it always goes. Father time is undefeated, and you know I, I know Kenny is a guy that loves to prove people wrong. So maybe he does. You saw Ricky Carmichael commented like, "Hey, we'll see you in Charlotte September 9th. Come, come show everybody." Right? Like that's 
that's a fair comment to make. If you're gonna, if you're going to say stuff like that, then when your opportunity arises, do something about it. And Kenny can make no mistake about it. Kenny can. He has the talent and the ability to do something about it. He is one of few that can. Most people can't. They're gonna if they talk, it's just gonna be talk. There won't be anything. They don't have the ability to back it up, but Kenny does. So we'll see if he does. But for me and my money, Jet Lawrence is a bad, bad dude. And I'm not going to back away from talking about his greatness. I don't care. You can't, you can't make me. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. I don't care who you are. You can't, unless you're going to take away my microphone. I'll just do podcasts into the ethos and nobody has to listen to him. But I'm going to keep talking about how good Jet Lawrence is and every opportunity I get. Uh, because he absolutely deserves it. So that's it for this week. Um, I thank all of you for listening. Thank you to all of the great sponsors. If you ever have questions, if you're listening, you have questions on these sponsors or how to get a hold of them, promo codes. There is a Works Connection promo code. It is JT23. Uh, but I, I would love to connect you with these people. They're all such great down-to-earth people. Most of these companies are family-owned businesses, small businesses, right? Um, and they would love to hear from you and try to work out how they can help you, how they can improve your ride or get you a great weekend getaway or whatever, get great shoes on your feet. Um, So please reach out if you have questions and we will talk to you soon. See ya.